Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, New Hope Church. I hope you guys are doing well, and I want to welcome you to the Holy Land. That is where we are shooting this message, and uh, you're probably going to see some of the backs of some heads of about 26 New Hopers who are with us uh, in the Holy Land. We are on a 10-day sojourn, if you will, visiting great sites. We arrived yesterday. And we were uh, at Caesarea, we went to Joppa, we stayed our first night here, and the second day we are here on top of Mount Carmel, and uh, we're just excited. And if this is something that you think you might want to do sometime, uh, stay tuned, because I got a feeling we will be coming back to the Holy Land every year, maybe every other year, something like that. Hey, I want to give you my love and my greetings and and just say prophetically uh, that Amy Lynn and the kids and I are missing you terribly. We are in the middle of a sabbatical and uh, just give our love and greetings and welcome to you guys. Warm welcome to the Garner campus over there and the Daughters of the King at NCCIW and anyone watching this in front of their computer screen or television Welcome one, welcome all. Because we are in this unique setting, listen, there's no telling what you're going to hear. You might hear some kids over here. There's a big group of kids. Um, You might hear some kitty cats. Y'all know how I love kitty cats. And we've got two or three of them roaming around. We've got some jets flying over, but hopefully that won't be too distracting as well. But we thought, hey, since we're in the land of the Bible, what an appropriate thing to do is to open up the word and teach it and and share it with you through the use of technology. So today we're going to be studying 1 Kings 18. To get us into this today, before I actually just teach a short message on this text, I want to introduce you, New Hope, to our tour guide by the name of Mishi. Mishi, come on up. Y'all give Mishi some love. I, I met Mishi. How long ago were you at New Hope Church? Maybe... Yeah, yeah, maybe going on a year, not quite a year ago. Met him through a friendship that I have with John Maxwell. John uses Mishi, and I said on the bus just yesterday, for all of my future trips, I'm going to use this guy as long as he is willing and able, which I expect to be a long time. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And uh, guys, he, he's just a walking encyclopedia. He lives in Jerusalem. He knows this land. He's an amazing tour guide. We're coming to love and appreciate him. And I just wanted him to share some words from this text as well. So Mishi, take it away. Yep. The biblical story that we're trying to figure out here is all about one person. You call him Elijah. His name in Hebrew is Eliyahu. Now, listen carefully. Eli is what Jesus saying on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama shebaktani, right? What is Eli? My God. My God, that's all. 
It's not Chinese. My God is real meaning. Great. What is Yahoo? Jehovah. All of a sudden, here is a name, a person that going around. Nice to meet you, my dear. My name is, my God is Jehovah. What is your name? Do you understand the idea? He is carrying the cross, okay, your terminology, in front. Everybody knows this men is Jehovah men. Who is the second main character that we would like to know? We're talking about Ahab, right? That's how you call him in English. Because the king name is Ahav. And that you can say, I know it's hard for you, it sounds funny, I know. But Ahav is name with meaning. Ah is brother. Av is father. Who is the father in the Phoenician Canaanite culture? Bel, you call him Baal. Bel is the god that's supposed to bring the rain. What was his wife's name? Jezebel. We all love to say that. We know it's evil. How the Spanish call her? Isabel. And the story is actually an outstanding story. Elijah is the victorious, yes, but it's not really Elijah's battle. Elijah is just uh, the messenger. Elijah is the one that brings the message, but the battle is God's battle. And it's all down to the fact that Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, is a daughter of the Phoenician king. There was a need for alliance between the Phoenicians, which is today Lebanon, and the kingdom of Israel. And the best way to have alliance in the old time is a marriage arrangement. Very simple. So the daughter of the Phoenician king became the wife of the Israelite king, meaning she is the queen of Israel now. And she's bringing along with her the culture and the religion and the way of worship. And here is the queen bringing us the message clearly. Worship Baal, worship Ashtara. Now, Ashtara is the wife, the feminine uh, side of Baal. And all this openly introduced by the kings, by the royal house. Here is the major conflict here, and Elijah going against it. He's going against it in the most fearful way, and he's fighting it to the point that he's afraid for his life. And he's running away to the desert and hiding there for three years. The important part is to realize what happened. All of a sudden, God tell Elijah, mm -mm, you need to go back to King Ahab and uh, settle the business. And uh, wait a second, Elijah said, he's going to kill me. Step by step, they gathering all the people on the top of the Carmel Mountain. And when we'll go to the roof of the monastery later on, we'll view a possible site where this took place. And Elijah, in, in a brilliant move said well you are so many and you are so great I'll give you the opportunity to do your job first 
and they spend a whole morning shouting and screaming and nothing happened. And he's coming and he's really teasing them. And he said, well, maybe he walked or maybe he's asleep. Maybe you need to call him louder. And they scream louder and they beating themselves and they are start bleeding. Nothing happened, of course. And what Elijah is doing is actually he's starting fresh. He is not touching the altar of the bell and the bull which they give. No, no, no. He's taking 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. Build a new altar for God. Then he taking the bull and kill it and put it on the wood. Then he cut a trench all around it and he's doing something which is strange. He asked them to bring water, fresh water, and pour it on the bull, on the wood, on the altar. Not once, not twice, three times, till the trench is full with water. Now it's for sure not a trick. If it's going to have the fire, it has to be God, miracle, or nothing will happen. And Elijah has his prayer asking from God to deliver the message. Fire came from heaven and, and the Hebrew have a very interesting usage of word and it said that the fire licked the water, burned the bull, the wood, all, but the water being consumed. And that's a really amazing word to use for draining the water from the uh, altar. It continued and Elijah slaughtering, take them down to the Kishon Brook that we will see from the top and he's slaughtering the 450 false prophet of Baal and 400 false prophet of Ashtara and then he's coming back and he's bending his head down and praying to God to bring the rain. Elijah, after all this day of work, and believe me, that was a hard day of work, and he is not a young man, what he's doing, he's tuck the edge of his garment on his belt, and he's running ahead of the chariot of, Eli of the king, so Elijah is the announcer of the king arrival to the city trying to show him that he has nothing against him but he should correct his way. He was not trying to organize a revolution. He is not trying to take over the royal position. He want the king to correct his way. God is winning. That's the story. God is winning. So in 1 Kings, I'm going to be starting in verse 16, and I'll be reading through verse 39. An absolutely amazing passage of Scripture, guys. I want you to listen to this, this battle that, that took place so long ago that, uh, that speaks to us perfectly, I believe, in the month of July. We just celebrated 4th of July. We just celebrated our great country in America. 
even though we're in the Holy Land. It's an amazing thing to sit here today and think about our country and and pay close attention to that because we're going to come back to that. Verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? So immediately you start to see the tension form. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. Now summon summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets of Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? Listen, church, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is God. So so you get the picture, church. It's this amazing battle that's about to take place on Mount Carmel. Elijah against the 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah says, here's how, here's how we're going to have this showdown. You get two bulls, you pick the one you want. I'll take the other and let's call on God and see if your God, the gods of Baal, the pagan gods, fertility gods, those sorts of things, or the one true God, God of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God of Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, So now that the scene is set. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first. Since there are so many of you call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us. They shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. Verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. I love this church. Listen to this. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe. (laughs) I know I love it. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears. I can't help but pause for a moment there. In that last verse where it says, maybe he is busy. When you study the original language, some scholars say that what they were actually implying is maybe your God is off using the bathroom. (laughs) You you see that in your footnote, don't you? Yes. And if you got got a a scholar Bible there that has a footnote at the bottom, you'll actually see it. So so Elijah is taunting big time. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until the blood flowed. 
Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Now, listen to this, church. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, this is this is amazing what he does. Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So you get the picture. They called on God. They had a dry bull offering. He taunts. Nothing happens. Elijah steps up, repairs the altar, tells them to fill up jars of water, pour it on the altar once, pour it on there again twice, pour it on there a third time. He's making a very key point here. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again then the fire of the lord fell and burned up the sacrifice the wood the stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench verse 39 when all the people saw this they fell prostrate and cried the lord he is god the lord he is God. Let the church say amen. amen. It's an amazing passage of scripture. And it's an amazing passage of scripture, particularly for us Americans in the 21st century, having just come off of our 4th of July weekend. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was a little boy and, and I got my mom to help me practice over and over and over the Pledge of Allegiance. And we were to learn it. And I, I'll never forget going to school that day and the teacher asking us to stand up in Millwood Elementary School in Sumter, South Carolina. And I proudly put my hand over my heart and I said the pledge. Do you remember it? When was the last time you actually said it? Join me for just a moment. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It was an exciting day for me. And, and I meant it. I mean, I was committed to this pledge. Now, of course, I was also committed to riding my dirt bikes with my friends and, and eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich at lunch. But nonetheless, you get the point. As a young boy, 
it was an important part of my allegiance and what I was learning as a young kid. We are so fortunate to live in America. Amen. We are so fortunate to live in this wonderful country where we're blessed, where we're free. Kind of like we're fortunate to sit here today in this wonderful or as Mishi calls it, this funny country of of Israel. But I want to speak to you as Americans today. We wake up daily to embrace this freedom while at the same time encountering this beautiful country that we live in. We have religious freedom and therefore we're able to practice it at any point in time. As Irma Bombeck says, you have to love a nation that celebrates its independence every 4th of July, not with a parade of guns and tanks and soldiers in front of the White House, but with family picnics where kids throw frisbees, the potato salad gets soggy, and the flies die from happiness. <laughs> right? Right? You just got to love this country. But listen, this text in 1 Kings 18, I believe speaks a very pertinent word for us. But listen, I believe it speaks a very challenging word for us. In our Old Testament text this morning, we realize that ancient Israel also had so much to be thankful for. But listen, they continually turned away from Yahweh. They continually turned away from the God who had been so faithful and instead started to serve the gods of Baal. Now, as you might recall, the nation of Israel had experienced God's faithfulness time and time and time again. And yet time and time and time again, when God was faithful, they would often be unfaithful. God had led them out of bondage into the promised land. God had laid out his plan like Deuteronomy chapter six, where the Bible says, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to you, that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give to you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord. God had been faithful. And yet what we find in this text is they had forgotten God's faithfulness and it started to turn away started to worship the gods of Baal, B-A-A-L, fertility gods, weather gods. As Gwendolyn Jones says in his commentary on this particular passage, the issue to be settled by the Mount Carmel contest was which God was to be worshipped in Israel. That was what was at stake. There was a competition going down. And what hung in the balance was who was going to get the allegiance, the worship, the praise from Israel. As the battle lines were drawn that day on Mount Carmel, one of the most cosmic and decisive battles of all time unfolds. For Elijah, there was no time to check the AP poll or the injury list. He knew that what mattered was where people were going to stand were they going to stand with the god of baal or were they going to stand with the god who had been faithful to them and brought them out of bondage so he says in verse 21 how long will you go limping with two different opinions if the lord is god what follow him but if baal is god follow him 
Fortunately, you know the story and you know the ending of the story. The people accepted Elijah's challenge. They brought their sacrifice to the altar. And then they called on their gods from morning until noon. And their allegiance began to fade. Elijah began to mock them and their false gods. He then repaired the altar, fixed the sacrifice, the wood, the bull, called forth water, told them to pour the water on the altar, poured so much water on the altar that it filled the trench around the altar. And in that moment, the God of the Bible descended upon Mount Carmel and provided the victory for the nation of Israel and once again demanded their allegiance above and beyond the various gods of this world. Now, you might say, how does that relate to us? It relates to us in so many ways. As 21st century postmodern Americans, listen, we are fortunate to sit here this morning as post Mount Carmel participants. We are fortunate to be able to watch this battle from the sidelines and, and realize that we are accepted and drafted, if you will, by this same powerful and victorious God. And yet, and yet, as we experience this patriotic month of July, we too are thrust into the battlefield where we have, listen church, many competing gods. And we often don't call it that and we often live without realizing that. But the truth is we live amidst and amongst competing gods, particularly in America. Yes, geographically, the battle lines might be different. But as you sit here today. As an American, there are things constantly calling for your allegiance. And the same question that was thrust upon them that day on Mount Carmel is thrust upon us today. Which God will you serve? Which God will you obey? Listen. Which God gets your complete, if you will, pledge of allegiance? As we heed this summons, I submit to you today that we Christians are the only people who can hold dual citizenship. I told you that we are in the land of the Bible and to get here, every single one of us needed a what? A passport. And the reality is, if you look at my passport here, you see that I am a citizen of the United States of America. But I'm here to challenge you today. Better put, I'm here to let God's word challenge us today to realize that my ultimate allegiance, listen, does not go to the United States of America. My ultimate allegiance, church, goes to the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac. And Jacob, amen? amen, the God who sent forth Jesus Christ, who walked among us where we get to be during this time and ultimately went to the cross, died for us, was crucified, dead, buried and did what rose from the dead. And as Christians, we have to realize that we also have to decide who gets our ultimate 
allegiance. Simultaneously, we are citizens of God's kingdom. And yes, I understand that we are citizens of America. However, however, this dual citizenship is not one of equality. As a result of this citizenship, we are thrust into the arena of human life, whereby we are forced to decide whether our allegiance will be to the various and antagonistic gods of this world or the one God, the one Lord God of Israel. And let us be assured that this dual citizenship calls us to our own decision time and that we too must decide this day who we will serve. We're entering into a very hotly debated political season. And you might recall that I said a few months ago in a in a message right here uh, at New Hope Church that we all need to know that as we go into this political season, I want to remind each and every one of us that no politician will ever save us. And that there is no perfect politician. Amen. Amen. So we say that, but listen, no political party. Will save us. I don't care if you're a staunch Republican or a staunch Democratic or a staunch independent. We don't place our trust and our allegiance to a political party. Amen. Amen. You might have wondered before. Maybe you haven't, but I bet some of you have. Why is there not an American flag in the worship center at New Hope Church? Some of you have come from churches where you grew up and there was a Christian flag on one side of the sanctuary. And an American flag on the other side of the sanctuary show of hands here and at all of our campuses. How many of you grew up in churches where you had both those flags? Yeah, I think it's all of us here. I remember when I first became a Christian and I entered into the church, I thought that's very fascinating. As Christians, we have an American flag and a Christian flag. And have you ever noticed they're always on the same plane? This competing allegiance. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a red blooded American and I love the United States of America. And when I when I step back, you know, into America from this trip, I will probably my wife will tell you I have a tendency to do this is sometimes embarrassing. I'll sometimes get down and kiss the sidewalk. I love America. I love it. But let me tell you, my allegiance is not ultimately to America. My allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. To the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are these other gods in America. And we have seen many people pledge their allegiance to these other gods, like materialism, like self-centeredness, like racism, like capitalism. And dare I say, oh, I know I'm going to offend somebody. Dare I say, even democracy can turn into a religion that gets our ultimate Allegiance. Listen, church, the battle on Mount Carmel between Yahweh and the gods of Baal serve as a pivotal point whereby God demonstratively demonstrated his power over all gods and therefore demanded the complete allegiance of the people of Israel. 
Moreover, today, our dual citizenship that we live in as both Americans, citizens of America, and Christians, citizens of an entirely different kingdom. Listen, it is our fundamentally essential that we first and foremost understand that our complete pledge of allegiance goes to the Lord God. So as we celebrate our nation's 236th birthday, let us remember as Christians that there was indeed a more important battle that took place on a mountain not called Carmel, but a mountain called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And it was there on that dark, good Friday that Yahweh, the same God of Israel, listen, sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, to fight our battles for us against the various gods and evil powers of this world. And once again, our Lord demonstrated his power over the many gods of this world and demanded nothing less than our complete allegiance. The point is that the very same God who consumed the sacrifice on Mount Carmel with fire and provided the victory for Elijah and the people of Israel so long ago is the same God who once again descended upon the earth by sending his son, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate sacrifice and victory for you and for me. Through Yahweh's victory at Calvary, through his son, Jesus Christ, we are now called to pledge our complete allegiance to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and live as a faithful community, community who has our allegiance and our ultimate citizenship in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Because of this love and grace shown to us at Golgotha for Israel and for the church of Christ. My prideful pledge of allegiance in the first grade has now been superseded by my allegiance to almighty God. It is through the cross and the resurrection on a mountain called Calvary that God once and for all defeated the various gods of this world so that we might learn to whom we pledge our ultimate allegiance. When the Salvation Army was in its infancy in India, its leader, Commissioner Tucker, began holding public meetings and processions. However, the British Viceroy of India, Sir James Sutar, called Commissioner Tucker to his office and he ordered instructions that no open air meetings were to be held. The Salvation Army prayed about this and for conscientious reasons, they decided they must defy the governor. That very night, some of you have seen the Salvation Army before. That very night, that army, with band playing, led a march through the streets of the city. At an intersection, hundreds of policemen and soldiers blocked the marcher's path. An officer stepped forward and with uplifted sword shouted, in the name of Her Majesty, Queen of England and Queen Empress of India, I order you to disperse. 
Commissioner Tucker, without any hesitation, stepped from the ranks of the Salvation Army and the marchers and with hand raised, replied in the name of his majesty, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I command you to step aside. The troops stepped aside and the Salvation Army marched on under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Elijah said, if the Lord is God. And so I echo that. If the Lord is God. Then follow him and him alone. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together, church. Father, thank you for this great passage. That you have used so many times before you used this passage, God, you used this story to shape the people of ancient Israel. And you use this passage today, Lord God, to to challenge us. Where will your ultimate allegiance lie? Elijah declared, if the Lord is God. Then follow him. Lord, I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice, those here in the Holy Land, those here at Central Campus, those at our various other campuses, those in front of their television, God. will ask that question, where is my allegiance? And we'll conclude like Elijah, we'll conclude like us sitting here today. If the Lord is God, then we will follow him with everything that we have. So, Lord God, as we as we transition into this time and we stand together as a community of faith and we lift our arms and declare with arms open wide. You are God. We will follow. We ask that you that you call forth our allegiance. We ask, Lord, that we surrender it and we declare it. We live it out every single day that we have. That you are our God. And we will follow you above and beyond everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.